All right, folks, it's that wonderful time of the podcast where we talk to um, a very special guest. I mean, usually special to us, but I know they'll be special to you. And today we've got um, someone that I'm a very huge fan of, and I know Matt is as well. Today we've got a man um, who's created, a, you know, a, a few characters that we all know and love, such as Firestorm and, uh, and, and co-created The Punisher, of course. Um, we've got Jerry Conway. Sir, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Great. Thank you for doing this. This is huge for us. I'm very, yeah. very excited. Yeah. Now, now before, we, before we started recording, we said we keep it conversational, but we, I had to throw those tidbits in just because you've contributed <laughs> so much to comic books oh um, God, yeah. and, and so many things that we're just enormous, enormous fans of that. Um, I mean, it's a huge honor for us to get to, to speak with you about uh, comic books and whatever else we end up talking about, you know, uh, well, who knows where it. this conversation will go. You know, it's, it's, it's always strange for me, uh, having done a lot of this work back when I was in my 20s, that it's still uh, viable or still has any kind of resonance, you know, decades later. It's, it's a little bit surreal. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, was when you were writing comics, was that just sort of a job to pay the bills, or was that something you were intensely oh, no. passionate about? No, I, I, I started writing comics uh, when I was still a teenager, and uh, it was something that I... Uh, I was a huge fan, uh, a fanboy of both Marvel and DC. Uh, my generation of comic book artists and writers were the first real fanboys to come into comics uh, and, and wanted to make it a career. So uh, I can't say that I wanted it to be my only writing. You know, I was also writing science fiction novels, and I had ambitions to write television and, and, and feature films. Uh, but it was certainly... Uh, you know, the, the, something very close to my heart, something I really wanted to do. Now, you're saying that you wanted to also do television and feature film, films. Did you uh, get around to getting some of those? I did, actually, yeah. Uh, I wrote, uh, well, we had, I've had two feature films produced uh, that I co-wrote with Roy Thomas. Mm. Uh, one, one was uh, Fire and Ice, uh, uh, an animated feature that Ralph Bakshi uh, directed based on the artwork of Frank Frazetta. Uh, and uh, the second was the uh, uh, sequel to Conan uh, the Barbarian, uh, Conan the Destroyer, which uh, was rewritten heavily by another writer, but we still ended up getting uh, credit as uh, uh, for story. And then I worked in television for, I worked in television for about 20 years, uh, working on shows like Law and Order, Criminal Intent, and Law and Order, and uh, uh, I actually wrote a couple of Matlocks and Perry Mason movies and things like that. Uh, so, you know, it's been a, kind of a, an eclectic career over the decades. Mm, that's cool. You said you worked on Fire and Ice with Roy Thomas, you know, another great writer. Uh, so oh, yeah. Did you guys collaborate together? Did one work more than the other on the writing? How, how did that work out with Fire and Ice? Oh, we, we, were, uh, we, we were writing partners uh, mm -hmm. for... Uh, the late eight, uh, late 70s through the early 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually sold several uh, screenplays, including a uh, script for a proposed X-Men movie that Orion Pictures is going to make in 1984, mm. uh, oh. which would have been very, very, very strange <laughs> because we, we did not have the special effects to do... Uh, <laughs> to do it you know i mean we would have they would have done it with prostheses and uh you know some optical effects and it would have probably looked very very cheesy uh <laughs> but 
we did do we did do all do all of that. We wrote about eight films, uh, uh, eight screenplays that we sold, uh, and were relatively warm for a while. So okay, I got <laughs> I got never hot. I got to <laughs> ask: writing that X Men, do they even have an idea of a casting at that time? Not really. I mean, we, the people that we were working with were amateurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had somehow gotten the right to uh, option the X-Men, and they had sold a project to uh, Orion as a, a potential. But there were no real professionals, other than Roy and I, mm-hmm. involved with it. The, the two producers were uh, neophytes, uh, and I don't think they ever went on and did anything. They did mm-hmm. not know what they were doing. Oh. And they made our lives a living hell. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> oh, I can just see that something with Michael Jackson and a Captain EO themed X Men style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it would have been. I mean, it would have been interesting to yeah. to see back then. I mean, you know, this was this was I think right around the time of Superman four. So mm-hmm. the, the the interest in superhero movies was dying down. Uh, and it was pre-Batman, so uh, mm-hmm. it, there was no real uh, venue for it. No. Uh, it's just one of those odd uh, footnotes to a, to a career. Yeah. That's pretty so cool, now did, though. did you guys have, like, the whole plot down for that? Is there is there oh, a yeah, quick we rundown we could... Is there a rundown uh, we could get on what the story would have been? I want to see a script. It, I want to read a script. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it actually used the uh, it used the uh, the lineup that was in the in the uh, uh, the new version of the comics that had come out a couple of years earlier. Uh, you know, we had Wolverine, we had uh, Storm, uh, Colossus, uh, we had. Uh, I'm not sure if Kitty Pride was in it. But it was it was very you know it was that that team you know the uh, the, the uh, Len Weeds Chris Claremont uh, giant size uh, yeah uh, version of, of, the, yeah. of the, the book and we we did a story with a character called Proteus who was uh, the big bad and uh, you know for, our guys were pursuing him for reasons that I, I can't really remember but <laughs> I do, I do recall that we had a big fight scene uh, at Proteus's lair on a Easter Island type uh, South Pacific Island and one of one of the bits that we put in was a fight inside a gigantic Easter Island style head uh, and that ends where what or it doesn't end but 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 included one of the bad guys being punched and knocked through the nose so, <laughs> <laughs> which, it was about as cheesy as we could get, but you know, I, 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 by the time we were writing the the uh, second draft of the script, we we knew this was not going to happen, and uh, we were just trying to get done with it. Yeah. So we were trying to have some fun for it uh, for, uh, for ourselves. Uh, that's cool. It actually reminds me of like uh, two weeks ago. I saw on uh, one social media site, I can't remember what it was. Somebody had really nicely recreated a bunch of. Uh, Movie posters for the '80s, based well, actually no, it was actually I think it was no the, through the different decades from the '50s to the '80s of different um, superhero movies of what they would have looked like if they were created in that time frame. Oh, and that's I, great! It was really really well done. I want to say uh, the one they did for the X Men had Charleston he- Charlton Heston uh, playing. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay, that's cool. 
But who is he playing? Who, was he playing? I think uh, he was playing. He would have been. I think it was Xavier, actually. Oh wow! Well, that would have been interesting. Yeah, it would. Have. Uh, you could have had Yul Brenner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was, still, he was still around. Yeah. Uh, that would have been. Uh, he, he's a ball guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very funny. I forget. I, I probably Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been been somebody that. Well, no, actually, '84 was right around the time he was just breaking out as. Uh, you know Conan and the Terminator, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure that uh, he would have had much uh, uh, cred at that point. Well, hey, if if anyone's going to be Colossus, I mean, yeah, accents, yeah, exactly. accents close enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we <laughs> it would have worked. People wouldn't have figured it out. Yep. <laughs> hey, it couldn't have been any worse than the 1980s uh, Captain America movie, right? <laughs> That's true. Well, it could have been. <laughs> it could have been, been as good as the Fantastic Four by Roger Corman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that movie is epic, all right? Epically bad, but that movie is epic. I love it. You realize that, that, that fans today could make a better movie than that? <laughs> yeah, right, really. I remember watching it and seeing the, the zipper and things, uh, cost, like his paper mache oh. costume, you can actually see the zipper in the front of his chest. Yeah, it's just sad. Uh, but, you know, those guys were, they, they, they knew that was a, a lost cause, and they were just trying to get something on film. So, uh, God bless them. You know, yeah, was, yeah, yeah and sure. in, in their defense, I mean, special effects haven't exactly saved the Fantastic Four franchise no, either. So. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, talking about TV and movies, you know, there's a, I mean, right now, this is the greatest time ever for seeing our favorite superheroes come out on the big screen on television. Has there been any characters that you've worked on that you now see on the television or the movies that you're like, I did that. You're just like, oh my gosh, it is so cool. That's why I envisioned, or you see it and it's like, what were they thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I, I mean, obviously the Punisher is a big, big thrill for me. Uh, Have you seen any of it yet by chance? Yeah, I saw the first two episodes. Uh, There was a premiere last uh, Monday in New York City and I, Mm -hmm. I went to that. And uh, they uh, show the first two episodes, and it looks great. I mean, it, awesome. it, it easily, uh, from, all, from all the things that I've heard from people who are close to the production, and, you know, they're obviously biased, but uh, even people who aren't uh, specifically attached to the production say it, they think it's the best thing that Marvel uh, has done. Oh, uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful, crossed fingers. Uh, I thought the first two episodes were terrific. Uh, Baron Fall is, is a, makes a great Frank Castle, mm-hmm. and uh, as far as other characters, I mean, I, I'm I'm blown away by uh, the uh, triumph of the uh, uh, Detroit JLA uh, in Legends and Flash. So that's yeah. just surreal, you know, <laughs> the idea that these characters that uh, had a kind of a, a storied history back in in the uh, early 80s, uh, you know, have this uh, revival now. It's kind of awesome and cool and weird. I'm delighted by it. But, you know, yeah. I, I never thought Firestorm would, would appear in the movies because, you know, it's it's such a hard thing to sell visually. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they're doing it. So God bless them. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Justice League, I mean, you, you worked on Justice League of America for a, a pretty, pretty damn long time. I mean, yeah. you know, relative uh, to other people. About eight or nine years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nine years, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a that's a big stamp in that history. I mean, what was um, you know, do you do you ever think about going back and and 
do you having some more stories for the for the old Justice League, or have they have they gone too far now and changed too much for you? For oh you no, I'm, I, 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 I mean, especially with Legacy, you know, the, uh, or with uh, the, the the DC Rebirth? version, Rebirth, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that they are they are trying to recapture some of the charm and, and uh, enthusiasm of the, behind those uh, those characters. Yeah. I think I think that Justice League is always an interesting book because you can you can bring people into it you can take people out of it mm-hmm. uh it's a it's a uh it's a template rather than a, 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 a something that has to be a certain way and i think one of the joys for me writing the book over the decade that i did it uh was the opportunity to write different characters uh, and introduce them into the uh, into the fold. I mean, by the time I left the book, uh, uh, there were like thirty or forty members. It seemed like you know, <laughs> so you could you could feature all different kinds of uh, uh, groupings in that in that scenario. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, they open it up again. You know, as they're as they're going, and not just restrict themselves to the to the core seven right. or so characters. See another Detroit, another international team. <laughs> well, <laughs> they 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 do have that capability. I mean, you know, that's the other thing about the difference in the marketplace too. That back in the seventies uh, and eighties, you didn't have t- five or six different uh, variations on a team uh, being published. You know, you had one team, so within that team, you had to, you could work as many different changes as you wanted. Uh, you know, by by dividing it up into uh, you know the Great Lakes Avengers and things like that. You know, you uh, uh, do create you know these silos in which the characters operate, and uh, the cross fertilization isn't as isn't as uh, easy. So how how much are you looking forward to the the Justice League film? Is that something you're going to see? You're in a rush to see, or yeah. are you sort of? Uh, I'm I'm actually seeing it tomorrow. They're, they invited me to the premiere, which was nice. That's cool. Very uh, nice. So yeah, I'm getting getting to, to see that. Uh, you know, and and uh, that's that's the first DC movie I've been invited to. So I'm I'm kind of thrilled. You know, yeah. uh, and it, it looks good. You know, I mean, from what I hear. You know, it's it's probably got problems, but you know, people said that about uh, Age of Ultron, and I loved Age Age of Ultron. Ultron so, yeah, you know, yeah. You pays the, your the, money, you take your choice. The the most important word I've seen in all the reviews of Justice League so far is fun. Yes, which Thank has God. been missing a lot, and I'm so happy to you know I'm so happy yeah. to see that word showing up often. Yeah, uh, that would be uh, if if they managed to. I mean, when you consider the fact that, that for all the the dourness uh, of the first two films in this uh, series, you know, The Man of Steel and uh, uh, Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. those were still majorly successful films. If they add fun, <laughs> they could have potentially yeah. a billion dollar movie on their hands, which would be great for the for the DC uh, brand in, in films. Uh, and would help, you know, other films like Flash and uh, uh, Aquaman and, uh, you know, Cyborg, if that happens, uh, uh, make make those those films bigger and give us more entertainment. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's critical in a team movie just because, I mean, just having worked with coworkers myself, obviously, it's, you know, there's always going to be fun times and you can't always yeah. be grim and, and on point and focused on the task nonstop 24-7. Yeah. It just doesn't, you know, doesn't work that way, so. And they made a very smart move by uh, casting Ezra Miller as uh, a, a teenage version of Flash because that automatically gives you an opening for humor, mm-hmm. yep. you know. And, and certainly from the clips that I've seen, they're using it, you know, uh, yep. in a very good way. That, that uh, dynamic with Batman is is perfect. Oh, it's great, yeah. Uh, and it and it's kind of like Barry, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a. It, it, what, what what I like actually about the whole DC approach to their film universe uh, and their TV universe is that they are sort of embracing their own multiverse uh, history. Uh, you know, the DC multiverse yep. concept. And these aren't the same characters, obviously, as the the characters uh, in the CW universe, yeah. and they're not the same characters as the comic as the comic book universe mm-hmm. because they're a different Earth. It's fine. It works. <laughs> it works. <Yeah. laughs> you know, and, and let's just let's just let them explore that. That'll be great. I was kind of curious with all these movies and stuff, have they offered you any cameo, you know, Stanley-style cameos in anything? Not not yet. I mean, we, we've sort of talked about that for mm-hmm. uh, the second, you know, for The Punisher uh, at some point. But, uh, you know, I figure w- w- when Stan eventually gets too old, uh, they're, they're going to have to start upping some of us other guys mm-hmm. into these roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there you'll be, but, you know, uh, Frank Castle walks by and you're like, who is that guy? <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know? I want to be a victim, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. <laughs> That's all. You know, just just make me a victim, you know. <laughs> yeah, so you're also credited with uh, some of our favorite characters such as, uh, you know, well, Dracula bringing him into the Marvel Universe, creation of Man-Thing, um, co-creator on uh, – uh, Jack Russell, Werewolf by Night. Um, any chance of any of these characters possibly getting some kind of a silver screen treatment? Well, uh, it's hard to say because they're not the iconic versions, you know. Of, mm-hmm. of uh, right. I mean, I would, I would think. According to the got... fans, that they're iconic versions. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, it would seem to me that that with. Universal wanting so desperately to do something with their their own monsters uh, that there wouldn't be that much room for uh, another version of Dracula, another version yeah. of a yeah. werewolf. Right. Uh, I think you, I, I, where I would be mo- more likely to guess to see them is in is guest stars or uh, uh, people that that get featured in you know one of the Marvel TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they did do Ghost Rider in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, you know, it's, there's always the potential that you could see Man-Thing appear somewhere in, uh, you know, the Marvel Universe. Probably not in the Netflix version of it, but, you know, maybe in the ABC version. Uh, where that they just piqued Alex's interest. He's a huge Man-Thing fan. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of makes, it, you, could, you could see it being something they could do, you know. Right. Uh, it definitely could be something. I'm still uh, waiting. There's any intention? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a Sergeant Fury movie to come out. You know, I would like to see Robert uh, Redford. Yeah. Robert Redford is perfect in my eyes to play that role. 
Well, he's a little, yeah, it's, uh, he's a it's little old like now, a, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> going to be a Liam Neeson taken kind of thing, oh. where they're going to have these quick cuts and all these multiple shots all over the place. Yeah, yeah like, this guy's really beating up these young guys. Okay, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I'd li- I, I would, wouldn't mind seeing, a like, a, a Sergeant Rock or a Sergeant Fury mm-hmm. set back in World War Two. I mean, yeah. that, that would be kind of cool. That, that actually really uh, would, really would. Yeah, I mean they've 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 established that Howling Commandos exist, so nope. you could definitely you know do you know if they if they I'm, I'm sure that they're looking at what they're going to do now for Phase Four after they write off some of the uh, uh, you know the the Avengers characters mm-hmm. uh, as as they play those out. You know they're they've already talked about doing a backstory uh, for Captain Marvel in the 1990s. So, you know, you could Mm -hmm. potentially do a backstory for Nick Fury's grandfather, you know, in World War II, you know, (laughs) that would be fine. Uh, That could inform, you know, the character as he is today. Uh, Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, maybe maybe if you do Namor, if, you know, if they, if they, if they get the rights for Fantastic Four, Mm -hmm. Uh, you could do Namor back in the uh, in the forties and yeah, yeah. So yeah, that whole Captain Marvel thing still th- uh, throws me off. I always keep thinking yeah. of uh, Billy Batson, but that's all changed now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, nobody refers to Shazam anymore as, as Captain no. Marvel, not even yeah, in I the know. comics. Yeah, no. uh, he, yeah, he can say his own name without changing back. Yeah, Great. yeah. Uh, What's really strange is there's probably a whole generation of kids who literally don't know that that's what his name is. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. For sure. Well, speaking of a generation of kids that, that may not know, so you scripted The Death of Gwen Stacy. Um, yes. And kind of a big for point. those that... Yeah, oh, so good. <laughs> for those though that that haven't gone back and read, you know, in the collected editions and things now, because obviously you're not going to find those single issues, but you can easily go back and and read like the omnibuses and things like that. Sure. Um, was the idea of killing off Gwen was that something that you had come up with, or was that like a higher up thing where they're like, this is the direction we want you to go with the book? Well, actually, uh, I was. When I first came onto the book, I was the junior partner with with John Romita as the uh, lead partner in that collaboration uh, because he had been around so much longer than I had. I was only like 19 years old, you know, so the fact that I was being handed this book was, you know, uh, kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, you know, they they had enough faith in my ability to, to write the character. They just didn't know whether I could plot the book, you know. Uh, so John and I would plot the thing together, and John had this feeling that things had gotten kind of uh, uh, predictable in Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and he wanted to shake things up. He, he, he wanted, he thought that the the readership would be uh, more uh, engaged with the book if some major character died. Uh, so we were debating who that would be. Don, John was actually pushing for Aunt May to die. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, he, he thought that would be good. Wow. But I felt that Aunt May was too crucial to Peter's identity as, you know, this guilt-ridden guy who, uh, uh, maybe not guilt-ridden, but, you know, but, but whose, whose sense of responsibility was what drove him now as a superhero. 
And she was a constant ongoing reminder, at least at that point, of, that, of the consequences of being irresponsible. So I felt she was still, still had validity in the, in the book. I had never been a big fan, though, of Gwen Stacy. I thought that Peter's actual girlfriend was going to be Mary Jane Parker, I mean, uh, Mary Jane Watson, uh, because she was the, the, there had been such a lead up to her uh, arrival, and her arrival had, was with such an impact that it, it just seemed like, yeah, this is, this is how it's going to go. And she, as a character, was very, very interesting to, uh, to me as a writer. She was contrary. She was uh, uh, challenging. She had her own you know, set of ideas and identity. Uh, she was funny. Uh, she was everything that Peter wasn't, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, in that she was a risk taker. Uh, I mean, Peter obviously was a risk taker because he became Spider-Man, but he tried to be very very sensible, you know, in, in, in certain ways. And Mary Jane wasn't. So there, there was a good dynamic there for them that I, I could play with as a writer. Uh, Gwen Stacy, on the other hand, literally had no personality other than she was a nice girl. Uh, I really defy anybody to go back and read those books before she died and tell me what Gwen was into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yep, you're right. She was 100%. just... Peter's girlfriend. Yeah. That was it. She was Peter's girlfriend. She was, uh, and and I I think this was partly because Stan, you know, we all write people that uh, are parts of our, our personality or people we know or or something like that. And Stan, I think, created Gwen as his ideal female uh, uh, love interest because she was very similar in a lot of ways to Joan, his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, Joan, like Joan, she was a blonde. Uh, she was uh, tall. Uh, she had. Uh, she was graceful, you know, and and uh, beautiful, and and very much the kind of uh, uh, woman that Stan felt he would want to have in his own life because he did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, Peter, being Stan's surrogate, you know, I think he just automatically assumed that all he had to do was put this character in it would be obvious you know but it wasn't obvious to me <laughs> so i uh i suggested gwen and uh, everybody signed off on it because she hadn't really been in the book for that long when you when you look back uh you know the the the, the book uh, spider-man started in 62 uh 63 and uh that's 10 years and and Gwen came into the book in 65, 66, so she'd been around for about five years, and, uh, you know, she wasn't, to my mind, she wasn't Lois Lane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she, yeah. she had been there at the, at the beginning, uh, and we'd already had love interests that had come and gone in Peter's life, you know, uh, by that point, so... We just said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And Stan signed off on it. Royce Thomas signed off on it. I wrote the outline. Uh, Gil Kane penciled it. I scripted it. We published it. Shit hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because last year I listened to an interview by Stan Lee, and he was talking about this in particular. He was like, yeah, I went on vacation, came back from vacation, Gwen was dead, and I was like, what the hell did you guys do to my character? (laughs) 
Yeah, no, that's not what happened at all. But he's, he's convinced himself of that over yeah, the years. I'm sure he has. I mean, what, what happened for Stan, though, is you know he he Stan likes to be liked. You know, yes. and, he, and he and he's he, he likes to have a party basically with people. You know that that he wants to be the master of ceremonies, the the, the genial host. And he was doing these uh, uh, appearances at college campuses at this period, and. Whenever he would go there, people would be asking him questions about why did you kill off Gwen Stacy? We hate that, you know. And Stan felt put on the spot, and he, so he came up with this this rationale, which you know is this this typical silly Stan self-deprecating thing. Yeah. You know, people don't tell me anything. You know, <laughs> it's like the man was the publisher and editor in chief. You know, yeah. we weren't gonna, his name was yeah. on every book. We weren't going to do something like this without running it by him. Yeah, of course. Uh, so. That's too you just, funny. You, you, you can't have that in-depth conversation with the people there to explain the rationale behind the decision. But yeah, no, no, no. It, it was an easier it was an easier out for him, and uh, and and I understand it, you know. Yeah. But it, it 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 has made for amusing conversations over the years. Yeah. Like in the second, he he he's lucky there was no internet back then, because now now God forbid someone changed something, you've got oh, to. Oh God. Oof. You've got He's lucky. Gig- I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who would have t- would have gotten all the right. hate mail. Absolutely. You know, uh, my heart went out to Nick Spencer this past year. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah. like, uh. you know? oh man, you know, uh, it's just a comic book, and we know it's not going to stay mm-hmm. forever. You know, mm-hmm. the yeah. big thing about Gwen is that she stayed dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, well, the joke until used to... recently, but yeah. she's been coming around, but. But yeah, I mean, it used to be say the only people that are dead in the Marvel universe is Gwen Stacy, uh, Uncle, Ben, Uncle Ben, and that's not true anymore. Gwen's back. <laughs> well, but she, but she really isn't, you know. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, lo- I love uh, Spider Gwen. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great fun book. But it's you know, it's it's an off off brand uh, offshoot. You know, it's yeah. uh, it, it's a it's a, it's like uh, Gwenpool. You know, we don't we don't take that seriously. Either. No, you can't. Uh, so. It's just it's it's a fun uh, what if type of type of series, yeah, for sure. So, um, like you said, you broke in as early as nineteen into the comic industry. Uh, Sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, oh wow, yeah. uh, way younger. Okay. So, um, comparing all the time you've spent in the comic industry now, um, what would you say is like the biggest difference from when you first started to someone who's trying to break into the comic industry now, uh, say to Marvel or DC? Well, well, I mean, one of the big differences is uh, access. Back in, in the mid-60s, even though both companies were kind of closed shop, they were still willing to uh, allow fans access. There were ongoing relationships between fans and editors through the letters pages. Uh, there were uh, uh, opportunities at, at DC, for example, they did a weekly tour, which is how I got in. Uh, they did a weekly tour during the summer, and I just started going up every week on the tour and then splitting off from the tour group and going to talk to different editors about uh, story ideas and, and, and the like. So there, were, there was an informality to it uh, that allowed you in. So that's a very big difference uh, between then and now. Uh, and the stakes are, were very different. Uh, comic books was a, was a big business, but it was a small big business back then. Uh, you know, even even though they were selling 
many, many more copies of comics in 1965. They were selling them for a dime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, yeah. there was, they were not making uh, the kind of money that uh, uh, comics make today. And so the stakes for an individual uh, uh, comic book issue were, were much smaller, which meant that publishers were more willing to take risks with uh, new talent. Uh, Today it's a lot harder, I think, to break in. You have more uh, hoops you have to jump through. There are many more opportunities because there are more books being published. Uh, but there are fewer access points, it's, it seems to me. Uh, you almost have to create a reputation for yourself before you can actually break into writing or, or, or uh, uh, drawing comics today. So that's, the, that's a very big difference. The other big difference is that you potentially can make a hell of a lot more money and have a much greater impact uh, in uh, society uh, working in comics today. Uh, back in the mid-60s, comics were kid stuff. They were uh, just barely... Entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Just, bar just barely above uh, bubblegum cards. Yeah. You know, they, they were... Uh, the things that kids read uh, and were expected to, to give up reading by the time they hit puberty. Uh, so the idea that, that there were those of us who wanted to, to actually write them struck the people who were producing the comics in the late 60s as bizarre because they didn't want to write them. <laughs> they, they didn't, they didn't want it to be the... Uh, the, the artists for them. They wanted to be artists for uh, uh, commercial art. Uh, they wanted to sell uh, a newspaper strip. They wanted to write novels. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, comics were a failure. Uh, were a sign of failure to them. Just something you just don't want uh, on your resume. <laughs> yeah, very much. You know, and and when Roy Thomas and I first started uh, uh, writing films back in the late seventies. Uh, we actually couldn't use our comic book resumes. Uh, we had to prove that we were better than being comic book writers. Mm. Today, of course, a comic book writer resume gets you a, 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 a overall deal at a, at a major studio. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, Mark yeah. Miller sells, sells oh, yeah. uh, his, his comic book company uh, to Netflix. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a very different world, uh, very different world. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing just comparing, um, I'm only 24 years old, so even 10 years ago versus now, okay. just telling people, telling people you read comics, it's like, whoa, you read comics? It's like, yeah, do you watch The Walking Dead? Have you watched Kingsman? Uh, I mean, the list <laughs> yeah. goes on and on. You're yeah. you're you're basically watching a motion version of of that comic book. You know, yeah. inferior uh, inferior in most ways, but um, in my opinion. But uh, you know, that's yeah. These are yeah. informing well, you know so much television and movies and. Well, it's, it's a incredible. it's a comic book age now. I think mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know if if you think back to what influenced. Film and television in the in the early days of the of the, of the industry, it was theater and uh, radio and uh, pulp magazines. You know, those were the those were the the sources of material. Uh, during the fifties and sixties, you had this really horrible era of, of bad 
film and television because there was nothing, there was no other popular genre that could provide source material. You know, there, I mean, pulps were dead. Uh, radio was dead. They were on their own. They had to make this stuff up. <laughs> and they really didn't, didn't really have the, the capability to do it. Uh, and then slowly, now they found comics as a source for uh, mythology and storytelling and approaches to uh, uh, all different... I mean, it's not just superheroes. I mean, as you say, Walking Dead and uh, uh, Kingsman and... and uh, uh, shows like Lucifer and yeah. Preacher, uh, you know, there's there's a whole variety of material that that, that they can draw on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was created by people who were operating at the margins. You know, that's that's the other thing. It was creativity happens at the margins. You yeah. know, and, and uh, comic books are still functionally at the margins. So. Uh, it's a it's a source of creativity that that uh, the larger culture can draw on. Yeah, and it's um it's I mean it's just great to see more and more of it showing up. We've got stuff like Powers, you know, which Brian Michael Bendis sure. did, and we're getting the Happy series, which was like it was like a hundred fifty page graphic novel from you know, know. Image Comics. But we're getting a whole a whole season of a show. It's gonna be it's great. I can't wait. It's just amazing. I mean, just. Just last week, I was talking to my dad. Mentioned the movie Red, and, and I told him, like, you know, that's yeah, it's a comic book. It's a comic book <laughs> written by Warren Ellis, one of my favorite writers. Uh, do you want to read it? And he said, sure. So I mean, it's it's a great time for uh, yeah, for yeah. movies and connecting them to comic books. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't recognize, don't even realize that some of their favorite films are based on comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, as you say, Red. So I mean, uh, uh, Road to Perdition, for God's sake. Uh, you know, there, there's there's all these these uh, all this material, 300. Uh, that that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's In it's Sydney, people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's all over the place. Um, I'm I'm just fascinated by it. So now, what are you like? What are you keeping yourself busy with nowadays? Well, I I was working at Marvel uh, and I'm still doing things for Marvel. Uh, I had written film and television for, let's say, uh, many years, and about 10 years ago I retired uh, from TV and uh, have done some uh, some comic book work in between. I did a, uh, wrote a, uh, a couple of miniseries for Marvel and for DC and uh, did uh, uh, a year's worth of uh, a series called uh, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows for Marvel that... Uh, I just finished up uh, a couple of months ago, and have some more things in the pipeline. So, oh, plus I'm working on a memoir. So there's that. Oh wow! Uh, Great. Yeah. That'll be my my tell-all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Cool. When is that supposed to come out? Well, I'm hoping to put it out next year. So hmm. uh, it'll be next year is my uh, 50th anniversary of uh, writing in comics. So <laughs> it'll be very cool. Uh, yeah, be an opportunity to to. Mark that. Now, is that something you're working at um, by yourself, or is Roy Thomas or anybody else? Uh, no, I'm just doing it myself. It's okay. a, it's a memoir. It, it, it's it's my version of things, so <laughs> it's it's not necessarily the truth. <laughs> it's your version <laughs> of the truth. It's, it's my version of the truth because I, what what I've found over the years, and and you'll discover this too, guys, as you grow up, is that things that happen to you uh, 
uh, that are very clear in your mind having, hap having happened a certain way. Other people see it as having happened in a very different way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's there's validity to both versions, and I'm not holding out my version necessarily as as false or true or anything else. Just my version. It's my story. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, there's there, there some names will be changed, you know, to protect <laughs> the innocent. innocent. <laughs> uh, but there'll be you know be some some interesting behind the scenes stuff too. That's that's fascinating. So time plays a broken telephone with you. It's oh good yeah. Good to know. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to that. Well, the, the, the you know they do do research on memory uh, and on uh, uh, you know eyewitness. Uh, you know how we uh, how we say I, uh, in in court cases, eyewitness testimony is supposed right. to be the the best possible testimony, but of course it's the worst because <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've yeah. discovered yeah. yeah that that literally you could put five people in a room. Uh, have something happen, and each person will have a different version of what happened. Yep, right. uh, and in terms of memory, what we've what we've discovered over uh, over uh, many many years of research now is that we are constantly retelling the story in our own mind of our of our experiences, and retelling it with new information, and going back and retconning it. So. <laughs> Life is a retcon, guys. <laughs> Very scary, but true. So I don't, I, I can't honestly say that what I'm going to be writing is something that you know. Uh, if you had a time machine, you could go back and see exactly. It's simply what I remember, which yeah. may or may not be true. Yeah, but it makes for good storytelling. <laughs> that's yeah. the point. I'm a storyteller. That's my. Yeah. That's what I do. Well, that being well, said, is there any stories that you have in you that you're just still waiting to get out? Something that you know, maybe a creator-owned thing. Yeah, I, I do have I do have some ideas for things that you know still pique my interest. You know, I, I uh, every time I pick up a newspaper, you know, something hits me. Uh, every time I don't actually pick up a newspaper anymore. Every time I go on the internet and look at the news, mm -hmm. uh, books that I read. Uh, <sighs> You know, life experiences that you you want to turn into fiction. Uh, uh, I don't have anything specific, you know, that, that I, I want to uh, jabber about. But uh, there's always there are always ideas percolating. Stay cool. busy. So I wanted to ask. You mentioned you're you're part of that era, you know, um, of creators that were huge fans of what they were doing. Um, so. You know, growing up, what and this may be sort of a spoiler towards your memoir, but what what is it about comic books that made you such a huge fan? Um, I mean, we talked about how they're sort of, you know, they're just fun stories that you read to pass the time and, and get entertainment. But I mean, there must have been something that just triggered something in your mind. Well, I know that uh, that picking up Fantastic Four number four uh, was a seminal experience in my life because mm. reading these characters that were uh, flawed and uh, uh, excitable. I mean, the 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 issue that I I, I picked up was uh, the introduce uh, the reintroduction of uh, Namor, you mm -hmm. know, the Submariner. Uh, so it was really strange, and it was like like dipping your toe into this uh, mythology that uh, existed before you before you came along, and had resonance you know it's it, it was 
the first time that I felt like a, uh, a comic book story existed in a larger universe. And then a couple of years later, when Spider-Man came along, I really attached to that character emotionally. Uh, he was very much, uh, I felt very, very identified with him, which made it much e very easy to write the character when I finally had the opportunity to do so. Uh, so I think there was that. I was also a fan of science fiction, and that was actually what I was, uh, one of the the things that I tried to do first was write science fiction, and I sold some short stories, and I sold a, a science fiction novel uh, when I was in high school. And writing comics was a way to also write fantasy and, and science fiction. So it was a, all of these things were, were part of the, uh, the mix, you know. I, I, I guess I just never grew up from, uh, you know, wanting to explore my imagination. Can't can't blame anyone for that. No. <laughs> well, some people can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I can see Fantastic Four, especially with Neymar. That's a great introduction. Something that can get anybody excited about reading comics. Oh sure, sure. Yeah. See, well, I've been reading comics for a few years by before that, you know. But that was the one that 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 knocked it out of the park yeah. for me. You know, so you mentioned, passionate. Yeah. You, you mentioned something really interesting there. You meant like the whole idea that that Neymar was already around and there was a sort of history behind him. That's something that sort of terrifies people now. Is is jumping into you know detective comics, whatever number they're at now, since they went back to the original numbering. Right. It's like oh, I got to go back and five, yeah. I got to go back and read all these other issues. No, of course not. Of course, no one remembers seventy five years of of right. history for this one title. But um, I feel like that's definitely gone now. I mean, uh, well, it's strange. It's, it, I think it's intimidating because we've made it intimidating. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in a sense, because fans did become the creators, uh, we've taken our fanboy fascination with the minutiae and the, the tying up loose ends. I mean, that was something Roy Thomas became uh, too OCD about. It's, it's something we, we, we kind of have to abandon to some degree. Uh, when, I, when I was doing the Renew Your Vows series, one of the reasons that I was happy to do it was because it was set on a different in a different universe. Yeah. The uh, universe, I felt free to just make shit up, you know, just mm -hmm. and pull out what I wanted to use from the past, and and come up with a variation on the old ideas that uh, uh, had been forgotten, you know. So I, so I could do a a story that basically retconned uh, the, the, the Civil War st uh, storyline, you know, and, and say that that never happened. Uh, and just do it in a subtle, you know, uh, uh, by the way sort of way that, that didn't force anybody who didn't know the, the material to have to look it up. You well, know, the, the problem yeah. that we started getting into was uh, in order to enjoy this story today, you have to have known X, Y, and Z. You know, uh, we actually saw, saw this happening in our own lives. My wife and I just saw this happening in our own lives recently, because we were making plans to go out to see a movie with uh, some friends of ours, and uh, Thor had just opened, and we had seen that, seen it at the premiere, but we wanted to see it again, and so we suggested this to our friends. They said, "Oh, sure, we'll, we'll go see it," and. Before I bought the tickets, I said to myself, wait a minute, have they seen the other Marvel movies? Because if they haven't, 
this is not going to make any sense to them. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I, I, I asked them, they hadn't, so we went and saw Bad Mom's Christmas, you know, so that's, <laughs> <laughs> that was our alternative. Because I, I realized that what was going to make that film as much fun for me as a viewer was the knowledge of the prior relationship of Thor right. and Bruce Banner and the Hulk and, if you, yeah. and, and the Thor and Loki. And if you don't have that prior knowledge, it almost makes the movie kind of difficult to, to really understand. Yeah. yeah. You, so, you're not part of those, you're not a part of those moments. Yeah. And I, I worry that that's going to happen, but maybe this may be what, what, phase four allows marvel to do is they can tie off with infinity war they can tie off all those stories and then start new stories basically uh you know i mean not totally new because you'll have ant-man you'll have uh doctor strange and those characters will have have been introduced in the towards the end of phase three and and you can carry them forward and you really don't have to know <laughs> what what relationship Tony Stark yeah. has with Captain America, because mm-hmm. it's not going to be relevant anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah, I mean, in the in the movies, that's. I, I feel like that might be easier, but comic in books. In the comics, it's tall hard. Order. Yeah. Yeah. Tall order. Well, it is. It is hard, but you, uh, maybe that's why Rebirth is working so well right now. Right. Uh, Hopefully, why, Legacy will as well. Yeah. Hope, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's not so much that you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but you have to, you know, warm the temperature of the bathwater just enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that the baby I gotta add some hot water. To get in, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, um, so um, you know, it's kind of funny that you brought up, you know, like when you're being able to recon or retcon or change things up a little bit, because uh, when we interviewed uh, Jim Starlin like almost a year ago, he said that that was one of his things. Like whenever he gets something from Marvel, it's usually just in his universe and they're just like, yeah, do whatever you want. You know, right. um, do you ever feel intimidated at all whenever you get assigned, I guess, a character or a series oh, yeah. and it has a lot of history behind it? Do you feel the pressure from that? Well, I tell I tend to ask that I don't get those, <laughs> but, but, but when I do get them, you know, like I took, I took on the book, uh, carnage, uh, was one of the things that I, I just finished. I did a, a couple of years ago and carnage has a long history. You know, he has got a, a variety of, of, of storylines behind him. And when I was talking to my editor about it, I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to do this character in a way that somebody who hasn't read, on all those stories can still enjoy it. And that's sort of like, I don't want to have to do the research. (laughs) I I want to know enough about the character to write the character credibly, but I don't want to know necessarily all the different things that he's gone through Mm -hmm. uh, and the different variations. I don't need to know that. I want to know what made this guy who he was in the beginning and has he changed in some substantial way from that and if so, maybe I'll reference that change. But I, I'm, I, I'm of the opinion that, that you should go back to first principles on, on uh, characters when you're writing them. You shouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's for a character. You should ask yourself, what made this character the, the guy he or the, the woman that she was when she was initially created? Uh, how can we? How can I bring that uh, forward, and not ignore, but but not get 
burdened by all the, the changes and experiences that they've had since. Uh, so I think that's, you know, how I approach these uh, these characters. And for the most part, it does seem that, that that's how the companies want to approach it, too. You know, they recognize that you can't just have endless footnotes. Uh, you know, sometimes it's sometimes you can do a great story that's derived from a from a, a flaw in an old story, uh, like Identity Crisis. You know, uh, based on you know Justice League story that I've written, uh, where you where somebody asked the obvious question that I just never asked. You know, because it was a different era, and we we had certain. Uh, uh, assumptions, you know, that that if you did a did a story where heroes and villains swapped places, the villains weren't going to go around pulling their masks off to see who the heroes were. <laughs> you know, we just we just thought, you know, we, we'll just not go down that route, you know. Yeah. But it made for a really great story, you know, even though it became very disturbing. Uh, it it made for a premise that when you came to it twenty five years later, you could make a reference to it. And not have to then, you know, come up with all the the variations that occurred in between. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that approach. And then there's guys like like Grant Morrison who will just throw all the history in there and say, <laughs> "This is how it works in my mind." It's very yeah. confusing, but you'll get it after the third time you yeah. read this entire storyline. So, which I love. I personally love that. I love putting the pieces together. But that's definitely not something you would recommend to a new reader. No. no, no, and and Grant and Grant Morrison stuff is not intended for a new reader. It's, exactly, uh, it, exactly. I, I personally got a great kick out of his Batman, uh, uh, the death of Batman. You know, the, where uh, Batman goes through history, so that yes. he could basically rationalize all the Jack Shift <laughs> issues yeah. of Batman from the fifties. I love that. Shift, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were on psychedelics <laughs> and all this crazy stuff. We were just losing our minds. It's fantastic, but definitely it's not great. for a new reader. But no, just, no really amazing stuff. Well, a new reader, yeah. I mean, hopefully a new, what a, if a new reader is reading it, they're just getting the surface stuff, you know, that's, yeah. that's the best ver, ver, variation of that kind of material. Uh, yeah. They're getting the, the story and then the, the and long then time jump, fans. And then they jump on Google and say, what was going on here? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all this information comes from right. links. The rabbit hole. Now you're down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh -oh. Morrison's rabbit hole is a dangerous one to fall down into. It is true. All right, well, Jerry, we, we greatly appreciate the time that you spent talking to us tonight. I mean, it's been, it's been fantastic. Thank you. Well, I've always enjoyed these kind of conversations. I mean, as soon as that memoir starts rolling out, if you want to jump back on uh, Four Guys in a Comic, I mean, we'd love to talk about it. You've, oh, I'm sure. sure you've had quite a life to, to discuss and, uh, and go over, and we can sort of question your, your memories and, and how some of them may, <laughs> may, or may, may or may not have been possible. I know. I'm it's looking forward to reading it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it'll, it should be fun. I mean, ho yeah. I'm trying to make it fun, so hopefully yeah. it'll be fun. All right, guys, thanks very much for having me. Hey, thank, thank you for joining us. us. It's been a great it's night. Exciting. Take care of yourselves. Hey, right, you thanks. too. Thanks hey, you have a good night. Have a good, good one. Night. Good night.